Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences in how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might watch old video clips of someone you admire, and we'll talk about a know-yourself-better question related to long or short vacations. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, you could probably use a long or a short vacation. Mm -hmm. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yeah, Gretch, I haven't had a long vacation in like three years. (laughs) No. I know. And I wanted to remind people before we launch in that I'm creating this online course about the four tendencies. So if you want to go dig deeper into the four tendencies... This is the thing for you. Enrollment opens on April 30th. And in the course, you'll get to identify your tendency and how to use that knowledge to manage yourself better and then also how to handle other people better, appreciate them better, and then figure out how to communicate with them better and cut down on stress, burnout, conflict, frustration, procrastination, all the things that come up when we're trying to deal with other people. And Gretchen, will people actually be interacting with you during this course? Yeah, there's going to be some sessions called Ask Gretchen Anything Calls, where people can like ask real-time questions and get answers, and we'll have a whole discussion, kind of like what I do on Ask Gretchen Rubin Live on Facebook. And that's always the most fun, so I'm really excited about that part. I'm really excited about the whole thing. It was really, really fun to create it. Um, and so if you want to check out more about it, go on the wait list and get all the information and get a little bit of an early bird price. Go to courses.gretchenrubin.com. Very cool. Yeah. And Gretchen, we had a fun update from one of our listeners. Um, In episode 163, we read an email from an obliger listener who explained how getting a dog gave her the accountability she needs to go for the walks she loves to take. And in response to that, we heard from Amanda, who found another hilarious way to make her dog her accountability partner. She said... I'm an obliger, therefore I have a hard time meeting expectations I set for myself. One of these expectations I have continuously tried to meet is to walk my dog every morning. It was important for me to get into the habit of walking her in the morning before work because walking first thing in the morning made me feel happier and more productive throughout the day. Getting up earlier to walk is what I struggled with. If I waited until after work, dinner, chores, etc., I was often tired and would skip the walk or I would end up walking after dark and resent it. Thinking of my dog depending on me to walk her sadly was not enough to get into this habit. After trying out many techniques to do this, I finally figured out a way to get myself up in the morning and walk. I set a voice recording on my phone that said, Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? I set this as my alarm in the morning, and since my dog (laughs) sleeps with me, this was the first thing she heard. I knew I could not disappoint her by skipping the walk after she heard me say this, so I get up and walk her. I used to think negatively of myself because I would never meet inner goals I set for myself. After learning about my tendency, I feel better knowing I am not alone, and I have had a lot of fun trying to figure out different ways to hold myself accountable with others to meet my goals and expectations. I mean, is this That not- is creative. <laughs> this just goes to the top of my favorites list. Like, I have my top, like, 10 favorites imaginative accountability yeah. strategies that obligers have come up with. This is one of the best. I love this. Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? And the dog, like, jumps to her feet. <laughs> 
And it probably repeats over and over if that's her alarm. It's like, Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? Elsa, do you want to go for a walk? She's like probably there with her leash in her mouth ready to go. Um, no, that is brilliant, hilarious. simple, effective. I mean, it takes one second and works. And then, then you've achieved your aim for yourself. That's what I love. I mean, so this is just outstanding. I love this. Thank you so yes. much, Amanda, for sending that in. That's fun. Now, listen, this week our Try This at Home tip is to watch some old video clips of someone you admire. So maybe it's mm. a celebrity, maybe it's an artist, maybe it's a politician, someone you admire. Um, and I, I think this is great because um, it, it's a way to find purposeful time on the Internet. I think sometimes people have a little, or I, I know I do, you know, you have a little downtime, you're just sort of cruising around. And you often, or I often, do things that are sort of low value. But being like, oh, I'm going to watch this clip um, of something that I'm really genuinely interested in and having that purposefulness, I think, uh, really is a way to get information and knowledge and you expand your knowledge of something or someone that you admire you find interesting in those moments when you're looking for something to do. Yeah, I love doing this. Um, Gretchen, you know, my we had our episode where we identified our spiritual master. Yes. And mine was Barbara Walters. Yeah. Um, so I like going back and watching old Barbara Walters interviews. Well. Um, that's super fun. Well, and speaking of that, so I recently, you know, I'm sort of subject to these obsessions that will strike me. And I'm obsessed with yes. color. I'm obsessed with smell. I'm obsessed with pain or whatever it is. Obsessed with happiness. Um, so I woke up one day and I'm like, I am obsessed with Dolly Parton. Not mm. her music, um, because I'm not that into music, but I'm really obsessed with her life. And so I went on and to spent like a lot of time, I have to say, mm. watching old interviews of Dolly Parton, which was super fascinating. And one of the most fascinating ones, one was the one with Barbara Walters and one mm. was one was the one with Oprah. Um, and part of it is seeing them in that time, you know, yes, Dolly Parton. Like is, a time capsule. Yeah, it's because Dolly Parton, when Barbara Walters interviewed her, she was not nearly the megastar that she is now. So and then also Barbara Walters, like. What were they wearing? How did they talk? What kind of questions did they ask? It's like it, you see how what's changed. It's fascinating. Yeah, I love one of my favorite old interviews is when Barbara Walters interviews Oprah Winfrey, uh, speaking of the yeah. two of them. And it's again, as Oprah was on the rise, nowhere near where she is today. And it's just really interesting to hear her perspective back then and how she was dealing with, you know, becoming, you know, one of the most famous women in the world, if not the most famous. And yeah, if you really do like hearing, just experiencing what people were going through, you yeah. know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I mean, you can go back and watch old interviews with Frank Sinatra or, yeah. you know, anybody you want to. It's just fascinating. And then another thing I love to do in the same vein is go watch old clips of uh, music. Mm. So, for instance, I got in a thing one night where I just wanted to watch Billy Joel sing New York State of uh -huh. Mind. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I could do that for an hour, watch different versions of Billy Joel singing New York State of Mind, or I'll, you know, go back and watch different Simon and Garfunkel yeah. um, clips. And it, I don't know, it, it's just, it's, it's very consuming and kind of transportive. So if you're stressed, it can really take your mind away from it all.
Well, and I think, you know, one of the the reasons that it makes us happier to do things like this is that we like to learn. Like, we like to know more about the things that interest us. And there's a lot you can learn from watching these interviews or performances. So you have that satisfying feeling of kind of having your mind expanded or your Mm -hmm. curiosity tweaked. You know, it's kind of fun to become more of an expert where like if somebody wanted to talk to you about Billy Joel's performance of that song, you would you'd have a lot to say. And I had, a, I had an interesting experience because I was recently being interviewed by somebody and I was like, oh, and weirdly, I've just become obsessed with Dolly Parton. And he wanted to talk about all about Dolly Parton's relationship with Porter Wagner, which is something mm. that a week ago I knew nothing about. Now I have oh, many, God. many strong feelings about, oh, Dolly Parton and pa- Porter Wagner, what went down? Um, and uh, and so it's another way to, to draw you closer to other people, because as you know more and as you become more interested and more expert on something, it becomes a way to engage with other people in a meaningful way because you share some interest. Whereas if it's just kind of an unexplored interest, it doesn't really go anywhere. But I think even a little bit of knowledge can really be very energizing. Yes, totally agree. It's a way to be on the Internet productively. Yes, yes, which is a huge thing. We're all on it all the time. Sometimes it feels like it's dragging us down. This is a way where we can use it to our own purposes and to have it be a happiness booster. So I have to play uh, on this note, Elizabeth, you were talking about Oprah. Um, I have to um, give an example by a particularly fascinating clip from an exchange between Dolly Parton and Oprah Winfrey. This is from the Oprah Winfrey Show in April 1992. Wow. Which is 26 years ago, if like you, if like me, you feel like 1992 was like three years ago. No, that is 26 mm-hmm. years ago. And it's fascinating because listen to them. Here they are. They're being very much themselves. They're talking about pride and humility and hubris. So we'll play the clip. And if you want to watch the interview for yourself and see what they look like, which is also interesting as they're having this exchange, I will post a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I just feel so lucky that... I've had the opportunity to to make a good living at what I love to do. I always wanted to sing. I always wanted to be a star. I always wanted to be out with the people. And I'm getting to do that, and I'm getting to enjoy doing that. And it's like, I think we're all born. We wonder who we are, what we're doing here. It's the same old thing all through history. Same old thing. You wondering who you are. So to me, I just try to, I mean, who knows? But don't you think, too, obviously you think this, you've just, just intimated that you do, that your thoughts are your life, and that one of the reasons why you are where you are, I am where I am, those of you are where you are, is because you believed you could be here. It's faith. I think you have yes. to work very hard. Mm-hmm. You have to have there's a certain amount of luck, too. Yeah. You know, like there's a, uh, I used to not realize how lucky I had been. I was always grateful and humble. I always, you know, but I always have worked very hard, too. But I see so many people that have twice the talent that I have that maybe came to Nashville at the same time I did. They write better songs, they sing better, but there's just something that where the timing is not right. So I think there's a certain element of luck in that. But I think that people can do a lot with what they've got if they just had the faith. I mean, so much of it is faith and belief. I think one has to be careful not to get arrogant with that faith Absolutely. because I think, you know, if you uh, if you don't humble yourself, God will do it for you. Absolutely. You know? And so, when God does it, it'll bring you to it, your knees. I know. I love hearing those two talk. I'm going to have to go watch the whole interview. Um, and Gretchen, you know, if you are doing a deep dive on Dolly Parton, you have to get Eleanor and you guys have to watch 9 to 5. Oh, yes. The ultimate Dolly experience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Ooh, yes, I'm going to go off and do this. See, that's that, the thing is this can lead you then in all these fun directions because you, you're sort of feeding it. And then the more you do, the more you want to do. Excellent. Yes. Yes.
I can't wait to do that. So let us know if you do try this at home and how watching old video clips of someone you admire works for you. And who did you pick? What performances did you watch? What interviews did you watch? Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at com, or go to happiercast.com slash 166 for that video clip and everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that will help me make plans with other parents and kids. But first, this break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Alyssa, this week our happiness hack comes from our listener Cheryl, and she is talking about an issue that bedevils many of us, which is making plans with other people, the logistics of finding the right time to do something together. Yeah, Cheryl says, this is going back to episode 130 where Liz was lamenting that time had passed and she had not gotten together with other parents and kids for activities over the summer. One of the barriers was just picking the date. There are two online tools that can make this easier, Doodle and When is Good. Both are free and allow you to pick a variety of dates, times, then create an online poll you can email to your group to find a convenient time for all. I have used it to coordinate meetings with volunteer groups, but it could easily be used for a social event. Well, I have to say I've been on the receiving end of Doodle, but and ah. it works great, but it never mm. occurred to me that I could use Doodle. I, and I don't right. know why, because it's like if people are sending it to me, why can't I send it to them? It really is because you propose them and then you can see how many people can do a certain time. So it just gets you out of that emailing back and forth and back and forth. Yes. Yes. I think that whole idea of the chain of trying to figure (laughs) out times and dates keeps people from connecting because nobody wants to get into that down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, So I didn't know these kind of things existed. Um, Doodle and when is good. I'm going to have to check these out and find a good way to make plans. No, this is a really great hack. Because I've had them, again, like in sort of a fit more official settings. And I think it would be a great thing to put into more social things. It seems maybe a little bit impersonal, but it's like it's impersonal in the best possible way. And that it's a hack that makes everything easier and simpler. So um, I can't wait to use it. Yes. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. And we also got a great note from a listener about a know yourself better question. And this is a really helpful know yourself better question, just in knowing your preferences. And it comes from Sarah. So Sarah writes, the know yourself better question is, are you someone who saves up for a big vacation or are you someone who needs little breaks throughout the year? 
I thought about this because at work, my boss started asking me in February to plan my summer vacation. I have two kids and my husband and I both work. And I was like, I'm not even thinking about next week. Never mind the summer. I always feel pressured by people telling me I should be taking two weeks off to get a real break. But the thought of being off for two weeks stresses me out. I prefer to take a day or two off each month, extending long weekends or taking a Friday and being able to pick up my kids from school. So I think this is great. Like, there's no right or wrong. You know, it's whatever works for you. Yeah, I mean, I think most people would assume you should take a two-week vacation. That's what we always did growing yep, up. Yeah, we did. Um, and I loved that. But it is true. You, There's no law that says everyone <laughs> has to take a two-week vacation. If she prefers taking shorter vacations, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Well, there is research suggesting that there's benefits to taking long vacations where you really separate and you really do something novel. But I think... That's not true for everyone necessarily. And I also think like given the circumstances of your life, it might be so stressful and difficult to bring about that situation that you just sort of have to say, this is not my life right now. How do I take a vacation in the way that works for me and gives me the relief and the relaxation and the energizing jolt that I need without feeling like I have to like if we're not taking a two week trip to a foreign country, like, you know, it's not worth doing anything at all. Yeah, it's funny because in my career, Gretch, it's I don't really get to choose vacations. That's no. one of the things I really don't like about being a TV writer. It's not like I go, okay, well, June 15th to June 30th, we're going to go to yeah. Europe. I have to, like, if, if we're in session, basically we're working, you yeah. know. And Adam who is also a TV writer, so he also doesn't get to choose his vacation. So therefore... The stars have to align that both <laughs> he and I are on vacation at the same time that yeah. Jack is on yes. vacation in order to take a long trip. And it's really difficult. I mean, yeah. that's why we haven't taken a long vacation in three years. And that was eight days. We went to Hawaii for eight days and it was complete magic. And I like long to be back on an eight day vacation. Um, so we are the masters of the short trip. Right. We do that all the time. Yeah, it's a matter of what you want to do and also what you actually can do. But I think it's a really good question to think about because even if, like, let's say right now you're not able, it's just not realistic to think that you and Adam mm -hmm. could go away for a long vacation. I think it's good to recognize that you would like to. Like, if I could yes. do anything, I would have a 14-day and go to Hawaii because sometimes what happens is that an opportunity appears, but if you haven't acknowledged to yourself that it's something that you would want to take advantage of, it kind of slips from your grasp. And we've all had that thing where like mm -hmm. later on you're like, oh my gosh, it occurs to me now I could have done X, Y, Z, but kind of in the moment you didn't think about how to make the most of an opportunity. So I think it's good to be thinking like, well, would I like to take a long vacation? And so I can be looking for opportunities for it. Or if I don't like to take long vacations or it doesn't work for me right now, how could I think about short vacations, adding one or two days to a weekend to get the most bang for your buck in terms of vacation? So I think it's just a good thing to be thinking about how to structure it and not just feeling like you should assume sort of a default template for what vacations look like, but more like given my situation and what I like, how can I figure out how to get what I want? Now, Gretchen, what do you prefer? Well, I like both. I mean, in in planning, I like the short one because it's less planning. And I always go into this mm -hmm. thing with vacations where I think, oh, it's so much trouble to think about leaving for a week that it would just be easier to stay home and not stay, mm -hmm. not break out of my routine. I really do love a routine. I love a staycation. I love, you know, but I have realized, and this is part about memory, things that are different and novel 
um, they're they're more memorable and also time feels richer. And so if we just if every weekend we just went to Kansas City to see mom and dad, that would be really, really fun. But they would all blend together. But if we go to, mm. you know, do something, if we went to Dollywood, you know, that we mm-hmm. would remember, you know, very vividly. Yeah. And so I think sometimes I have to push against my natural inclination to do something short and simple and straightforward to say, no, I need to do something a little bit more complicated or else like my life won't feel rich and varied and memorable. Mm. Yeah. So you sort of force yourself onto the long vacation bandwagon. I mean, we took long vacations growing up. Um, We always went away for two weeks. And I mean, it just always felt like, I don't know, we would get there and it just felt like we were going to be there forever. And we were entering this whole new life. And I I really enjoyed that feeling. No, it felt like it was going to go on like the whole summer. I mean, it really did feel like as (laughs) big as the rest of the summer. So I think there are advantages to taking a really long vacation if you can. You get into a whole different mindset and you can have a whole different kind of experience. But this is why I think it's a good know yourself better question is like think through all these things and maybe get like me go against your grain because you're like, well, what I want is not necessarily what I'm going to wish that I'd had over the long run. It's just something really good to reflect on um, because it's, it's an interesting question. It's like how we spend our time. It's all we have, right? It's all, it's so, all we have. It's always good to think about. It's always good to think about. So thank you very much, Sarah. Um, and we also have a listener question this week from Courtney. And of course, as always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can send us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Yes, and Courtney's question is, In episode 160, you described Elizabeth as being more of a putter-downer and said she needed to become more of a (laughs) put-awayer. As a fellow put-downer who desperately wants to have a tidier space, how does one go about becoming a put-awayer? Any advice on making this a habit? Oh, well, Gretch, I love this question. I need answers, too. How can Courtney and I become put-awayers? Well, the first question is one, like, do you care yourself? Now, what's interesting to me about Courtney's question is Courtney wants to be a put awayer for herself. She says, I desperately want to have a tighter space. So she really wants to do it. But Elizabeth, my impression with you is like, it really doesn't matter to you that much. It's not, it's not that big a deal to you. Well, it doesn't matter to me. And what she's talking about is like, I'll just put like, I'll come in and take off my shoes and just leave them or I'll put down a can on the counter and not put it in the trash or, you know, these kind of things. And it really doesn't matter to me. I'm one of these people that just doesn't see a lot of clutter. We've talked about this on the show before, Yeah. but it really matters to Adam. And it really bothers him. And I know he is happier and calmer when I am putting things away. So for that reason, I would like to do this. Yeah. Become a put awayer. And I've gotten a lot better over time, but it's, but, but I still am, um, I'm still a culprit. Well, so I think, I think if you want to, I think the key thing is to want to change. It's like that old joke about, you know, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to want to change. It's like, (laughs) if you want to change. So if if you want to change for yourself, because if you're just, somebody's saying like, oh, you should do this. And you're like, oh yeah, I should, but you don't really care. It doesn't matter. But if you want to change, here are some ideas that I would throw out to someone just to kind of give concrete examples of the kind of things you could do to put things away. One is to have an exact place for things. 
Um, mm. Which is, so it's not like, well, where does this go? It's like, this is where this goes. Especially things like keys, wallets, sunglasses. Mm. Like, you know, it's the classic thing of having a bowl by your front door. Like, really try to get these key items where they belong so that you and don't mail. Waste. Mail is a big one. Mail is a big one. I have a whole thing, series of questions for you about mail, Elizabeth, but we will do that another time. <laughs> um, but, but And I think when you have an exact place for things, then it's easier to put them away because I think part of the reason people don't put things away is the decision fatigue of where does it go, where should I put this, where if you know, oh, this is where the can opener goes or this is where the hat mm-hmm. goes, it's easier. Another thing, if you can get yourself to do it, is the one-minute rule. Anything you can do in less than a minute, do without delay. So if you can take the can and put it in the trash, you should just try to get yourself to go ahead and do that. If you can go through the mail and throw out the junk mail in one minute right away, stick it in recycling, go ahead and do that right away. The one-minute rule kind of gets away that surface scum of clutter. Mm. Um, And another thing I would say is baskets. Like... If you live in a house with stairs and there's stuff that needs to go upstairs, like have a basket where everything that needs to go upstairs just goes into the basket at the bottom of the stairs. And then every time you go Mm. up, you just take the stuff up. So you're not putting it away right away. You're just sticking it in the basket. Or if you if there's many people in your house and you don't know, you know, you could just stick stuff in the basket. If you're like, I don't know what to do with this thing of mine now. I'm just going to put it in my basket and I'll deal with it at least because like if you do that, Adam wouldn't see your stuff because it would all be in a basket. But maybe it'd be easier for you to put it in the basket than to actually put the things away, which is like, you know, maybe more inconvenient. Um, Those are some things. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Our house is sort of long. And so there's kind of a, it's only one story, but there's sort of a distance from one end to the other. So if I could just get in the habit of taking something with me every time I walk to the bedroom, That's that would great. be a huge. If I would just take it with me and put it in my closet, not even feel like I had to like put my shoes exactly where they go on the shelf, but just like put them in the closet on the floor. It's like if I could just, I just don't remember. It's yeah. not that I'm willfully refusing to take my shoes back or my coat back. Although I do have a thing like with a coat where... I'm like, I'm just going to wear this coat again sometime yeah, fairly soon. Why would I take it back to the closet when I could just leave it on this chair and then yeah. it's exactly where I need it to be? See, Adam doesn't ascribe to that theory. Yeah. So we do have some sort of fundamental conflict on what we think things should be. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't have a coat closet. You keep your coats all the way no. back in your bedroom Which, closet. You don't have one yes. by your front door. That is, that, is, that is a flaw of our house, I must say. That is a missing piece interesting yeah well and that's yeah and some things that is one of the things that certain things want to be in certain places and if you have Mm. something that keeps wanting to be in a certain place try to defer to that if you can't like if your bathrobe is always by is always in the tv room it's like can can you put have your your bathrobe be put away there in some way because if you keep it keeps wanting to go there like sometimes they seem to have little minds of their own and they just Mm -hmm. keep going to a specific (laughs) place but you know i think some people really are clutter blind where they really just don't see clutter in the way that other people do. And as you say, it's not that you're being inconsiderate. It's not that you're being willful. It's not, it just literally isn't something that you see that bothers you. And so it's very hard to remember to do anything about it. And so I think if you're, if you're with somebody who is a, is clutterblind to recognize they're not doing this to be a jerk. They're not just being lazy deliberately. It's just something that doesn't bother them. So they're not aware of it. And so don't take it personally. So, Good luck to all of us who are trying <laughs> yeah. to become put awayers instead of put downers. Yes, I think that's a good way of putting it. And um, whenever I have language for something, it helps me. So 
I'm going to try to remind myself to be a put-awayer. Yes, and if you have any strategies to help people become put-awayers, especially people who are not naturally put-awayers, please send them our way. Coming up, Gretchen's got a gold star for healthcare professionals. But first, this break. Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars, and this is your week to reveal a demerit. Yes, Gretchen. Um, I've discussed on the show how I recently spent a weekend in Palm Springs, a nice long weekend. Powering down. With, yes, powering down with Jack and Adam. And as I was anticipating going to Palm Springs, I had every intention of going to exercise class because that's something I like to do at resorts. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually have exercise classes and they're usually fairly mellow because, you know, it's you don't know who's going to be there. So they're not like super intensive classes. And I really enjoy that. And I hadn't exercised in so long because I've been working on this pilot, the fix for ABC. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, this will be my time to like get back on into the exercise. And then I packed for Palm Springs and I didn't even pack like exercise clothes. And I didn't once think about exercising (laughs) And then the last day I was like, oh my God, I did not exercise at all. I didn't even look at the class list. It just completely left my mind. And I was bummed because it was kind of a primo opportunity to get back into my exercise routine. Well, so let me ask you, which of these two scenarios did you experience? Did you experience like you just been so out of the habit of exercising that it didn't even occur to you? And so you forgot all about it until it was over? Or do you think this might have been slight obliger rebellion when you were like, with everything that's going on right now, I can't possibly ask myself to exercise. And so I'm not even going to bring my exercise clothes because you know what? It's just not going to happen. And, you know, I need a break. I think it was the first. It mm. was like that thing of when you break out of it. You know, we say like good habits are like so hard to get into and bad habits are so easy yeah. to get into. Yeah. It was one of these things where once I'd broken out of the exercise habit, it just didn't cross my mind. Mm. At least I think that's what it was mm-hmm. because I really did want to do it. I don't think it was oblige or rebellion. And even when you were there, it just sort of like didn't even cross your mind to check. It just, it, 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 because you could have like got exercise clothes or something That's like that. That's true. But it just didn't occur to you? No. Even though I had thought about it beforehand and I thought, oh, this is going to be when I try a spin class when we go to Palm Springs because that's on my 18 for 18 list and it'll be the perfect time. I'll leave Jack and Adam in the room. You know, they like to just, you know, hang around and I will go to a spin class. And I just like, did not cross my mind. So I think it might be part of, I was so, even though I was Exhausted. trying to relax and power down, I was so still concerned about the pilot, you know, yeah. mentally that I just, you know, there just wasn't room for anything else. No. And I've had that weird experience too, where you're like, I had this completely in my mind and then yet in the moment it like never occurred to me. It is, it is a weird feeling where you're like, what, what happened? It was like some kind of loop didn't get closed. So yeah, so I am back on the treadmill, though, Gretchen. Yay. I came home from Palm Springs, Yay. and I got on the treadmill. Um, so, you know, I'm not in any way, like, full into my exercise routine, but I am, like, clawing my way back. Excellent, 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 excellent. Well done. So what, so what is your gold star this week, Gretchen? So my gold star goes to the doctors, the nurses, the physical therapists, the nutritionists, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, all healthcare professionals who so graciously give free advice. 
And mm. I recently benefited from this because I was at a conference and I had this weird thing happen where I was just like walking down the hallway, like from the ladies room or something. And uh, I felt this twinge in my ankle, but I didn't think anything of it. And I just kept walking fine. Then I'm sitting at lunch and I start noticing, gosh, my ankle. I'm re- you know how you're, you're usually not aware of your ankles. If you get aware yeah. of something like your stomach or your throat or your ankle, you're like, okay, something's going wrong. That's weird. What is that? And then when I got up to, to walk, I could barely walk. Like I was really, really noticeably oh limping gosh. and it was hurting like crazy. And um, which if it, if, it would, if it was just something that was hurting, I would have been like, whatever. But I was going to take a red eye that night. And I thought, is this the kind of thing where like a blood clot is going to grow into mm-hmm. my brain or I'm like going to like have some kind of medical emergency on an airplane, which, you know, and it was really making me nervous because it was sort of inexplicable. You know, like this should not have been a big deal. Like how, what? And so I was it wasn't that the pain was bothering me so much as the worry about was the pain yeah. a sign of something worse. But I had been in two panels discussions with a guy who I knew was a doctor. Um, now, he was an expert in infectious disease, but <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to hit you up. And I went over to him. And I'm like, hey, man, um, can I exploit your brain? And this is my situation. And I just want to know if I should really be worried. And he very nicely, he's like, let me take your, he's like, take off your shoe, press your foot this way, press your foot this way and poked around it. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Ice it, take some over the counter pain medication. You just twisted it in some way. It's not a big deal. If it were anything to worry about, it would look like this or look like this, look like this. There's Mm. nothing. And it was such a relief to me because once I knew that it didn't, there was no significance to it, then I was fine. And then it actually hurt less because I was worried about it so much less. But I thought, how nice of this guy to just randomly let me hit him up, you know, when he's like having pleasant conversation with other people. For yeah. Some free advice. <laughs> and like I and I know a married couple of both friends of mine who are both doctors. They said they spent a significant amount of their free time talking to friends wow. and friends of friends who need to talk about like, well, this is our situation. What do you think? This is what our t- what they're telling us. Do you think this makes sense? You know, I'm like it is a really, really special thing to be able yes. to help people who are in pain or who are suffering or who need this kind of advice. And so I just want to give a gold star to all the people who work in healthcare who go out of their way in their free time as yes. well as in their work time to yes. help people give information, give comfort, give assurance. It's really an extraordinary thing. And like this guy in a five-minute conversation completely relieved my anxiety in a way that was I was so grateful for it so thank you to all um for this work gold stars and that is it for this episode of happier remember to try this at home watch old video clips of someone you admire let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what videos did you watch Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. Remember, if you want to read the interview that I did with Gary Tobbs, the deep dive interview that I did with about his book, The Case Against Sugar, you can email me and I will send that to you. Gary Tobbs, of course, is the person who got me to quit sugar. So I love getting the chance to talk to him at greater length. And also, I want to remind you that if you're interested in the video courses about the four tendency, just go to courses.gretchenrubin.com and you can get all the information that you need there. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.
And here's Dolly Parton being quintessentially Dolly Parton singing the theme song from 9 to 5. Tumble out of bed and I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the street 